0: I'd like to welcome everybody to the first episode of Meet the Gorillas and Butterflies podcast. It's a podcast about us, the people connected to the Gorillas and Butterflies, athletes, team members and supporters. Gorillas and Butterflies is a sports club founded by former pro Triathlete uh, Matthias Fezel. The club main focus is triathlon, but there are several other athletes just focusing on one or two disciplines as well. Today I want to talk with an OG in triathlon and an early member of the current gang. Rich, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, hey Lucas, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm Rich, I'm from the UK, Um, currently in Berlin, so OG of triathlon, gosh that's quite a big title, isn't it? (laughs) I like it though. yeah i guess i kind of have been doing the sport for a while yeah uh, i haven't got into detail about uh, this with a lot of previous guests but uh, i guess it might be interesting to all the listeners um, that also have a, like a regular job so can you tell us what you do for a living
1: yeah i'm an aerospace engineer so uh, i work for rolls-royce and we design and manufacture and maintain Uh, jet engines. um, In Berlin, that's specifically for business jets. I did this in the UK as well, which was for the long range commercial uh, airline or airframes. And um, yeah, I'm a very techie and geeky person. So I could bore you with very specifics uh, about my day job. But uh, essentially, it boils down to I'm a a design, assistance designer, analyst, I work with a lot of test data, I do a lot of simulations and I'm just always trying to make our next generation jet engines even more fuel efficient.
0: And that's kind of like, let's say, the nutshell of, uh, of my job. Yeah, when we talk about like efficiency and, and all these uh, things that you do in your job, can you use some like the little <laughs> parts uh, that you might have uh, or using in your job also for your training?
1: think so. I mean, um, I, I love getting into, uh, if you're familiar with the software called Golden Cheetah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great package. Uh, really gives you a lot of freedom to do anything you want, really. And there's some really nice little features on there that let you estimate your drag coefficients. I remember last year in particular, tweaking around with my position on the bike, changing the uh, the height on the stem at the front, uh, doing some test runs on Feld. Processing that data and uh, through Golden Cheetah, looking at my drag coefficient. So oh, oh. am I more arrow here, or am I more arrow before? And uh, actually I had the interesting conclusion And I think more and more people realize this That just slamming your front
2: stem Doesn't always make you more aero I raised my stem at the front And became more efficient And more comfortable at the same time
1: Ooh. So yeah, that was quite cool
0: Yeah, I think I'm not satisfied With this quick answer So you're a quite yeah. an analytic person uh, When it <laughs> comes to race predictions And uh, reviews So do you do like in other disciplines Also some kind of like math things or like checking for example some data for your runs and g- <laughs> not to be too guilty for all of those but i am also in the things right because i studied computer science and mm-hmm. i'm not using golden cheetah i'm using the wko uh, software for- where you can also work with data there are many parameters there as we know also in running so are you using this kind of data for your race predictions or your knowledge about your running or like your running economy for example oh for
1: sure i mean um as i'm a sort of older athlete relatively speaking i'm now 37 you know when i first started this all this stuff back in my sort of late teens early 20s like and there was none of this data was there? there was no power meters there was no um I mean, we were, I couldn't even afford a heart rate monitor at the time, so everything was just an unperceived perceived effort. So, coming from there to where we are now over the last sort of 15, 20 years, um, and having this at your fingertips, it's quite incredible, isn't it? Um, having power meters on bikes and in your shoes, if you want, and uh, looking at economy in so many, such a detailed way. I mean, it's really brought myself on, and I think it's actually raised the game like the general level of an amateur triathlete is so high now compared to what it was ten years ago. I'm sure, yeah, um, everything. And changed. it's all—it's a byproduct of exactly what you're saying, isn't it? It's a byproduct yeah, yeah. of us all looking at data, of us all training smarter, more efficiently, of racing with power meters. You know, I mean, that wasn't something in my first races we ever had the pleasure of. You just—you either went out too hard. And popped, or you just uh, sure. you got onto the run, and then you were like, "Oh crap! I still got loads in the tank. I must have undercooked it on the bike." And you just never really knew, did you? It takes like so much experience to get to that point.
0: So, um, so are you? Sorry, that, that I' getting even more geeky now. Yeah. Uh, do you use um, some kind of like functional uh, reserve ca- capacity values? Have you ever checked? This value for yourself?
1: Uh, you know, I haven't gone gone that deep. No, I think most of my my tech is focused on the bike, to be honest. Um, it,
0: it's also like a very often used value in, in in cycling because it's the it's the amount of energy that you can s- uh, spend above your FTP value um, for a certain time. It's, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's called FRC. Functional reserve capacity. It's about this battery thing that as soon as you get over a certain amount and it's measured in in joules so in um, Work done, right? So yeah, and you can calculate it how much What for how long you can push over and it's super interesting in cycling for example for like sprinters and so on so if you putting some values in, you know exactly how much you can push and then until the battery tank is empty, and then how long it takes to recover from it. I think uh, we have to talk on another podcast, maybe that is more <laughs> <think> geeky so. <laughs> about this. But uh, yeah, are you using a power meter for the running as well?
1: Uh, for the running, not so much, no. Uh, but just back to your other point, that's really interesting. I think I was sort of a mishmash of old school and new school because um, yeah, yeah. I'm using the power meter and being like, okay, I need to be, I don't know, 80, 85% depends on the distance of yeah. FTP. And then that's sort of where you talk about uh, this reserve factor. Um, I mean, I remember being at the my old tri club in London and the old timers, they always said, right, uh, rule of thumb think of the song 10 green bottles like you can go into the red 10 times and uh, that's your reserve factor so if you keep pushing hard on the bike and putting these surges in you could only do it 10 times and yeah, that was
0: yeah uh, and today we know that this value is also very variable and every person and it's also trainable so yeah the, the, the knowledge also in this area i think raised with yeah the of course of time.
1: and it's and it's how hard you go above it and how long do you hold it I mean, it's, exactly uh, yeah, yeah. so many factors in there that
0: uh, and it's also um, part of your like uh, fiber types so because uh, if you also having um, strong fiber two um, fibers right um, mm-hmm. th- and uh, but still have good like aerobic um, values you can go much harder on this efforts and use your uh, um, fast switch fibers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for this amount of, of capacity that uh, yeah that, that your your other fibers uh, have, right? So and yeah, if, yeah. if you are more the the um, just slow fiber type without any like mixed fibers and so on, then then you can't. Even get much higher above your values, and you will crash quite quick, right? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let Let's keep on. You just told me that yeah. you have um, started with triathlon in your teenage years, so. Um, um, well, well, not quite triathlon in teenage years, I started uh, cycling in my teenage years oh, okay. and I moved to triathlon in my twenties. Um, so actually I started, gosh, I guess
1: I would have been about 16, uh, cross country mountain bike racing. That was my first sort of foray into the world of uh, cycle racing. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I grew up in the north of England, and are uh, cross country cycling
2: yeah,
0: yeah, it's
1: nice. Right? both a lot of fun, and there's so many great trails, and they have all these like local races. Uh, and so we did that.
0: And was it the the first sport that you did, or have you in the like childhood and teenage years also did like other sports?
1: <laughs> You're gonna laugh, man. Uh, my first sport uh, was rugby. I used to play this, yeah, yeah, oh, as a kid.
0: Can't imagine yeah. that with your like body shape.
1: <laughs> Have you No, no, exactly. I used to play rugby league, which is a sort of uh, faster paced variant of the, the rugby that most people are familiar with. Yeah. And um, yeah, I played uh, my brother who's like a year older, we played on the same team. I used to play on the wing. He was like the center. So he was like a blocker for me. And then I would try and run around the edge of the field and score the tries. But yeah, at some point I didn't get much bigger and everybody else got very yeah. big, you know, like very hench, <laughs> strapped. <laughs> um, I didn't really have the, the physique to carry that on. So no, that was my first sport. And then, um, yeah, at some point I, I got a mountain bike and thought, uh, this shit is awesome, and then just started going out with my mates and just you know shredding trails. And then one of my friends got into racing, and then said, "Oh, come along with me." I was like, "Okay, yeah, <sighs> fine." And then you know you get the bug, don't you? Because racing is just just class. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. This is this is when it starts to make fun and like competing also with the friends. I think it's uh, it it's uh, it it gets you right
1: yeah exactly some like adrenaline kicks and all yeah. sorts of things and uh, yeah and it brings you on in your skill as well i mean i remember my first race thinking wow oh, that's some some of the descents were too technical for me but you get there and you know there's like a guy on your right on your wheel and you're right on the front like of somebody else's tire and there's no stopping so you just just barrel down these hills and you're like fuck oh, right okay
0: and you just keep on going um, but yeah, that was my, probably my first proper, let's say endurance sport then, so, um, just, uh, cross-country cycling. So you're one of our, I think, most technical strong athletes, I guess, right? Because with this background, first mountain biking, then classic road bike, right? And then yeah, in the triathlon, I think you have a lot of handling and experience and, and skills, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, from the cycling, probably, that's uh, that's fair, Um, I wouldn't say that about my swim, (laughs) I think nobody else would either, but yeah, that's, um, uh, it's always been a a very comfortable aspect for me. Uh,
0: So what was exactly the turn point, why triathlon then?
1: Yeah, interesting, Um, I mean at some point I left home, I went to university, I gave up everything actually, university, you know, as everyone does, just boozing and partying for four years. I was having an absolute blast. Um, then I moved to London with all my friends, um, left behind the, the mountain biking, started a bit of road cycling. And then it was just a case of um, one of my housemates. And I we were like, wanted to, a challenge to get in shape I felt like everybody we knew was doing the London Marathon it was like the obvious thing, so we were like, okay, let's sign up for a triathlon. It was like, <laughs> what was this? Yeah, what year would this been? Um, I don't know, around 2008, I guess. Yeah. And still a relatively young sport at that point. I think triathlon exploded quite a lot in the last five, ten years, hasn't it? Um, and not many people were doing it, so it was quite novel. And then we made a bit of a, a weekend of it. Went to Barcelona. I did the olympic distance one and uh yeah after that we never looked back you know i did that one uh the year after that i left for a new job in back up north in england and then um, with the same friend of mine we signed up for an ironman um and then 2010 we found ourselves on the start line at, at roth uh, challenge roth oh really uh, are, was it the, yeah, yeah
0: was it the long distance
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No oh, we way. were so yeah, we were so terribly unprepared. I mean, uh, uh, it was like trained myself. I mean, like I said before, this was like there was no power meters. It was all like I had a, a like a thirty euro heart rate strap, and I was just uh, following this sort of Joe Friel thirty um, week plan, and uh, went far too hard on the bike, so I popped with about. I started the run strong, but I don't know, the last 10 miles, it was a, an absolute slog. So I was doing quite well. I think I came off the bike, I was, um, let me think, I about six and a half hours. Yeah, so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to break 10, and then the the run kind of just fell apart for me, and I finished uh, 11, 15, something like this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to walk like the last... Uh, Yeah, it must have been last eight miles, I think I walked, so really really painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was only like, uh, I don't know, in my early 20s, mid 20s then, so these things, you you take them as learning experiences, don't you?
0: Have you done triathlon all the time from this point, or have you a break in between? Yeah, uh, after that, I did... um, Second Ironman
1: in England, um, which went better. Uh, although it was a really hilly course, so I, I kind of finished just under eleven hours. But it was a good time for the course. Um, and then I was training for my third one, uh, which was Austria. Uh, and there I was really hoping to do well in sort of age group in the sort of twenty-five to twenty-nine category.
0: Was it caton or?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and I literally got to like two weeks before the race and uh, I had a problem with my hip and I had to pull out and then this problem just plagued me for like the next five years. So I took a major break from the sport and I actually didn't think I'd ever really get back to it and um, okay. I wasn't able to run without any significant discomfort. So i kind of gave up the running the swimming i just dropped entirely as well because i was only swimming for the triathlon and i just went back to cycling yeah
2: Um, and then it was only uh, a few years ago
1: that finally i'd been in between like seeing the doctors in the uk and then i moved to germany and i got some physio
2: and after uh, i tried so many different people but i finally found the right guy for me and I worked with this guy for one year and
1: then eventually we cracked it. And we got rid of the problem in my hip and then I came back to the sport and then that was when I joined Gorillas and Butterflies actually, yeah.
0: Wow,
1: wow, so, this, this
0: long. Is, It's is really amazing. Uh, story. so had you been um, like doing some resistance training uh, to, to fix the problem? Because I think it's often like the problem yeah. of overusage of like not the hip itself it's just like that it tries to compensate some things and while it's a
1: smaller muscle yeah, i mean what they said to me is like because um, i got into triathlon with a high level of fitness from doing a lot of cycling yeah and then suddenly you take on a higher running volume that was probably my mistake uh training for
2: these iron you know you know how it is yeah um yeah and uh it was just
1: yeah it was training like a full-time athlete but um i think as my physio said you don't recover or stretch or do any of the other things full-time athletes do. you don't have
0: exactly exactly you have to do like regular resistance training and everything else you just fall apart right you just don't
1: have it in your life you don't have that time so Yeah, so in the end, it was a combination of stretching and uh, deep tissue massages that uh, eventually um, sort of worked everything loose, to call the nuts So I got the tendons loose again and uh, now I'm a little bit more um, proactive with these things and uh, sort of have a stretching program that I follow and it keeps everything at bay. So, yeah, it's, uh, it was a bit of a saga. Um, I was pretty cut up about it at the time.
0: Um, you know, you train so much for one event, and sure. you don't do it the week before or something. It's um,
1: uh, it nicks at you, doesn't it? But yeah, it's great to be back here, and uh, I think now I have so much more love for the sport than I ever did before. I think um, it's, yeah, the sport has exploded in that that break that I took, uh, like I said. It just went from being like yes yeah, people do it to suddenly like no this is really like a lot of people are doing this now
0: yeah yeah it's uh, cool uh, have you uh, have you won any trophies uh,
1: in your earlier years
0: maybe like uh, local <laughs> races or no just local things I, I won a trail race in Derbyshire once uh, which was a 16 mile off-road trail race and um a few sort of um yeah, uh, nothing significant to speak of. Um, hey, come on! Everything is like <laughs> we we don't need to win like the the world championships in Kona, right? It's every every like thing that that we achieve we can be proud of. So, uh, congrats for the race! Yeah. I because I even haven't won like a local race, right? So. <laughs> it all depends who turns up on the day isn't it sometimes you look at parkrun results
1: uh, from wherever you are in the world and you just think oh that guy won with 19 minutes oh gosh if i turned up today like you know there's always and then the next week you look at the results it's like 15 minutes 3 seconds of no but yeah. i stayed at home like it's just it's a lottery isn't it with these
0: events yeah and also can be a little bit the course right sometimes you just look at the time and think, oh, this is an easy one and then you go there and then it's uh, like running up all the time right in a park if you're thinking oh, okay, that's not what my body is made for <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: oh do you know actually interestingly i did do um my sister does these um, boot camp things back in England and uh, she in- entered one of these tough mother events. Um, yeah, I know them. It was, yeah, I was a different brand or major or something like this. It was so funny because we. Um, I turned up and I was like, she was like, oh, just do this with me. I was like, I'm going, I don't do any of this, this sort of like
2: obstacle course stuff. She was like, fine, just, yeah,
1: yeah. just turn up. I was like, okay. And then um, there was like one of her friends there was like super smug it was like oh, I'm in the top group out of the three. And he was like, oh, have you ever done this before? I was like, no, 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 but let's have some fun. It's like, oh, and he looked at me, he's like, oh, I think you'd be in the second group. And he's like, just take it easy. I was like, yeah, I right, mean, fine, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's an obstacle race, but in the end, it was still a 10K Yeah. with obstacles. 10K is still 10K, so you can rubbish at obstacles and but if you're a good runner, you're still going to do well. Um, so I that race I actually finished in the top ten, I think, oh. somehow. <laughs> and it was like ahead of uh, my sister and her entire group that entered this, uh, this thing. Um, so it was... Uh, Felt really great crossing the line, and then uh, waiting for this guy who'd sort of size me up and dismiss me off the start line as, uh, as a nobody was.
0: <laughs> and 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 you already have been like used to getting into the mud from like your uh, mountain bike career, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, from all that kind of stuff, and I mean, where I was training at the time in Derbyshire, I mean, I was doing loads of off-road running. That was really um a big passion for anything just getting off the trails getting off the streets i love it uh, anything that adds more variety to the training so uh, you, did, you know uh, cross-country running as well or i said again sorry
0: some cross-country running as well or like
1: yeah i love it um where i go back like uh, laura her mum lives in the like just off the Exmoor uh, moors uh, in the sort of southwest
2: yeah
1: and every time i'm back there i just spend just go out for like a really long like 20-30k you know what Berlin's like right it's just it's just a concrete jungle and you just you're either running around temple off a or you're just up and down the same paths that you've kind of worked out these efficient routes where you minimize the number of traffic lights or whatever right Uh,
0: yeah
1: so yeah yeah every opportunity i take it um yeah love it
0: can you tell me maybe one or two stories of what went wrong in your early races in triathlon
1: <laughs> only one or two <laughs> um,
0: except bonking
1: <laughs> bonking yeah i tell you my first ever triathlon uh, in barcelona uh, i turned out with my friends uh, ben and obviously we're not spanish speaking uh didn't really understand what the hell was going on and we both had these green swim caps we were on there was like five waves starting and so we were just sort of off to the side doing a little bit of a warm-up and then um my ben uh, my friend ben looked up and into the ocean he was like why is everybody wearing a green swimsuit already at the first buoy? and uh, we missed our start basically because we just didn't even know what was going on Uh it was totally underprepared so it's totally clueless to the whole like what do we even do at the triathlon race we were total noobs you know and uh could you you start
0: with the second group or was it just the sign to go home
1: so that was like we were in the fourth wave and then in the end we so we started with the last wave which was Uh. the fifth wave um so it was okay and then at that point gosh you think i'm a bad swimmer now at that point i was like uh, i couldn't swim at all you know i was just like the guy coming out with all the fatties and and, uh, all the sort of like you know about people like myself first timers so i had no problem finding my bike because it was pretty much the only one left in transition and then it was like time to get to work on the bike (laughs) Uh, So that was quite a funny um, first foray into the, uh, into the tri-world, having bonking, that happens so often um, in the the early days. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think of specific examples. I mean, I remember turning up to a fell race once uh, where I'd forgotten my shoes, left them in the car, and then another friend of mine gave me a pair that were one size too big, and then I raced on them. Uh, that was a, <laughs> a classic mistake. Just being completely unaware of my kit. Um, I remember turning up to Challenge Roth. I uh, didn't even pack my bag properly, so I would left my uh, aero helmet at home. I had to buy a helmet from the expo. Uh, just to uh, so I could even start the race. <laughs> no way! Uh, yeah. I guess what you're hearing from me is I'm uh, a pretty unorganized guy uh, when it comes to the <laughs> detailed planning aspect of uh, turning up at the start line. <laughs>
0: I, I think we have to do like a checklist for you. I have one here in my notes app. <laughs> Maybe we will do it like p- public on the, on the Gorillas and Butterflies uh, Instagram channel and also do a PDF for all the people. Um what to pack, so <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: you need it, right? I'm actually super anal about it now. All those things were like really early when I started and now okay sort of, I can't cope with not having everything and I you, oh gosh. I think it's also like I don't know, I've just got a bit O C D and check everything three, four times now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um you told us about your injury and then that uh, after the recovery you came back into the sport. Um, so how it happened that you joined the group? Have you actively looking for a triathlon coach or was it more that you been somewhere on a track or on swim uh, session and met Matthias?
1: Um, yeah, good question. I mean for me what happened was... So I, I recovered from the injury and then um, one of my friends at work decided to start his own triathlon club Um, and I joined that initially uh, for let's say a summer Uh, but we were a very small club we were maybe like six eight people Um, but it was really good fun and at the end of that summer I did a middle distance race uh, which was the um austria um 70.3 yeah uh, which was really it's a great great course i can thoroughly recommend it to anyone like lake swim super scenic bike and then (laughs) you're for a climber how you
0: are right yeah um but yeah so i did that um uh, it's also another race that didn't go well for me i um had a great
1: swim i had a great bike um, totally fell apart on the run, got my nutrition wrong, classic uh, mistake that everybody complains about, uh, and stopped taking food on. So then my run fell apart, and I finished the race just over five hours, no, five hours ten, I think, and I was a bit disappointed. And then I thought to myself, right now I need to join like a proper club to start to invest more time and energy into something I was becoming more and more passionate about again. And so I just went uh, on the internet and I was looking around for coaches. I'd already come across Matthias um, looking through Meetup and other sort of social platforms. And uh, then I just went onto his website and, and applied for the free taster swim. And to be honest, I mean, you know it. You meet Matthias. He's like, he's such a great guy. Yeah. You connect with him immediately. Um, you go to the swim sessions, you get like such great feedback, instant feedback. And, uh, I knew from the first session, I was like, all right, that's me. I'm, I'm signing up for this. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a reignited passion that drove me to search out for a more structured and, and, uh, large club. And I mean, specifically. As well with uh, the gorillas and butterflies it's such a great international club uh, and there's many other clubs in berlin uh some i have some friends at that are sort of uh, sisu for example but i really enjoyed the uh, the international atmosphere that we have with our clubs so it was um yeah really just a combination of all those factors
0: yeah i can just uh, agree with you that there are some of the Uh, nicest things uh, about the club that you meeting different people from um, different countries and yeah you yeah it's it's super interesting to be with the people right um recently you had some uh, personal changes in your life that are putting your training focus in life maybe (laughs) on a little bit different priority level right
1: yeah for sure um two reasons right yeah <laughs> caleb the two boys yeah, yeah it's yeah. an interesting um balance that we try to strike um i mean to be honest when i first joined the club I, I didn't mention it in the last question but all of my friends had gone and had children and they suddenly had nobody to train with uh, was also another motivating factor to go out and seek uh, the gorillas and butterflies uh, uh, community as well yeah, yeah. and um now i've had the children and uh, it does make time much more precious you have less uh, free time like personal free time at least and uh, it really focuses you into what you want to do with that time so i mean most days I know i'm going to get an hour to myself i just don't know when that hour is going to be and if you're willing to use that hour for a sport and go for a run or jump on the the trainer or quickly knit down to the pool or something then I, I think it's still very manageable to to um to, to keep up with a sport i mean i have a lot of friends who had children and they gave up cycling or running and i think that's very sad to be honest i think you sort of I feel like it's a large part of my identity, so I, I like to hold on to it. Uh, I hope it comes across. I'm still very passionate about triathlon, so I, mm-hmm. I For um, sure. s- s- still like to just put this in my life. I still like to identify myself as a triathlete, and uh, it's still really important. So, um, having the twin boys is is fantastic and it's really hard work but there is always room you just have to realize that you can't train like a full-time athlete anymore so at least not now (laughs) Uh, you have to knock those sort of full distance races on the head and uh, just uh, accept that you train within the limitations you have. That's not stepping away from the sport uh, at all. It's just um, restructuring uh, what you can do.
0: So uh, how many hours you can still be able to train per, per week and how it's <laughs> distributed?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't feel like any weeks ever the same. I mean, over the summer was really nice because I was on the Elton site. Uh, I took 5 months break from mm-hmm. my job uh, and was full-time Uh, stay at home dad during this period i was also training for berlin marathon it lent itself very well because i had the running pram and i was able to train loads so i was doing like a normal let's say 15 hour training block uh
2: yeah yeah
1: now we're in the winter that's much tougher i mean uh, the boys are in the nursery which is great but um they also get sick a lot and that also puts a lot of toll on the uh, the home life and um i would say that sort of let's say, I would say one hour a day is normal, so let's say seven hours a week. uh,
0: Yeah, is it hard for you now or do those little souls make you make you so much smile that you forget how nice it was to climb up the hills?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It goes up and down, it depends what day you ask me. We just got through the end of a really hard spell with them actually, they went from hand, foot and mouth disease into a cold, into conjunctivitis, uh, and we've just had three weeks of like just trying to manage illness and and this makes the uh, when you get that hour it's it's pure escapism, you know, you get out the door, throw my headphones on listen to a podcast or some tunes uh, and it's just really nice Uh, and you just sort of uh, the hour is now escapism from from the other elements of my life.
0: So it's uh, even more than just training, right? It's uh, also your piece of of freedom and a lot of good vibes. Oh, definitely, yeah. And you take that home, you know. It's also really
1: important to keep these uh, these elements of your your personal life up. Yeah, uh, true. definitely a big believer of uh, spending time doing something you're passionate about. Raises your mood and bring that into your family, into your work, into everything. Right? Just, uh, just improves every aspect of your life. I, I don't really see it as a, a negative thing to, to step away from the family for an hour and not for a run because I think when I come back from it, I have more to give them.
0: And uh, is your partner into any sports and is she a supporter of your tri life so she can <laughs> feel it a little bit or is it like a big deal to getting those rare permission cards for races <laughs> or no,
1: no, No, she's a supporter. I always think that when couples talk about I need to earn points to to go out for a beer or to to do whatever it is i'm passionate about i always think that's a really i don't like to think of life like that and like if, uh, my wife doesn't do sports she does a few sort of aerobics classes and things like that um and she's passionate about uh, her arts so she does uh, painting classes and things like this oh, nice. um, but we're, we're really like supportive of each other finding time to pursue our own interests and uh, we don't keep scores or tallies and things like that so it's really um, she's really supportive and she knows how much it means to me as well so we always find solutions
0: Uh, and uh, now after your elton side where you're back in the job with two kids the training and everything around it's i think more than a 24 7 job but uh, do you still have room also for other interests if yes what is it
1: (laughs) Uh, it's probably a no. <laughs> I mean, um, outside of the, the job and the parenting and the try, I don't do too much else. I I play a bit of guitar, but I don't really progress that. I just, you know, strum it for my own enjoyment. Um, what do you
0: play? Do Is a it an electric guitar? Or?
1: just sold my electric guitar. I had the electric and an acoustic, and now I'm just down to the one. Uh, but, so just the acoustic guitar now, um, but a lot of blues and um, fingerstyle kind of riffs and that kind of thing is what I enjoy to play. So, that's, cool. but I do that just to relax myself or not, not Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe you I can consume. meet with uh, Dimitri. He also plays some guitar.
1: Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. <laughs> to play for audiences <laughs> i think
0: he's he's also just doing it for himself a little bit he was uh, telling me this year has been a, like a small tragedy in terms of racing right can oh you gosh. tell us how your race season looked like
1: oh it was um, not my finest year uh, <laughs> I started the year and I said to myself, I don't have so much free time, so I'm only going to focus on a few races. And I signed up to three. The first was Dresden 70.3. Uh, second was a local Olympic distance race, Kalinchen. It's uh, just sort of south of Berlin. And then the third was the Berlin Marathon. And the Berlin Marathon was, uh, let's say, my my goal for the year, the A race. And I spent most of the year just focusing on the run discipline to to sort of meet that goal at the Berlin Marathon I had, sort of I was hoping to run something close to two forty and Let's take one step back. So the first race in the year would have been Dresden 70.3. I think you and probably many of the listeners would realize that was canceled at the last minute. Uh, they weren't able to arrange the bike course. Yeah,
0: this was a tragedy. That was
1: really frustrating, um, especially as that was also going to be quite a special weekend.
0: With all the crew, right? Everybody. all their... the
1: crew. There was, what, like 20 of us racing. Yeah. Uh, I had an Airbnb there, so my wife and my two boys were all going to go down, drive down the four of us. spend like three, four days there soak up the atmosphere, race with everybody and then come back and uh, yeah, I mean I was sort of hitting good form at that point I was hoping maybe I would get an outside chance of a qualification position or something in my age group but uh, that was not to be and then the rescheduled race classed with um, the Berlin Marathon so in the end I just took the refund and, and didn't follow through on that one but then, uh, actually, that race was cancelled um, very last minute, wasn't it? Like on the Wednesday, and then, and then I think on the Friday of that week, uh, we started talking about doing the the night run at the city Adidas City. 10K exactly. In Madeline, you didn't
0: we? you've been running in this time a lot, and had like I guess like a super fast 10k, right? What was your time there?
1: Yeah, so I managed to 34 33, which I was ecstatic with. So. I'd obviously tapered for 70.3 and was yeah. able to use that then to to race the 10k. And that was a great race. I mean, you were there as well, weren't you? Uh, it was such a Yeah, I, I bombed, but... <laughs> it's such a fast course. Uh, and I was able to run with some very fast runners and move around through some groups. Um, so that was probably one of the highlights of my, my racing year. Uh, and at that point, when I'd run the 34 minute 10k, I was like, right, I'm bang on for my, my Berlin... Marathon target time you know.
0: Yeah, and and there there you also have been in such a good shape, right? Yeah,
1: so Uh, it's uh, only getting faster from that point. Yeah, then the month after I had the the Kalinshin try, and this was uh, this was actually quite a nice race. My only problem was because I had so little Focus on my swimming this year and then I we turned up at the race and then they said as always a blow no wetsuits water's too warm you're like oh no no. it's gonna be (laughs) exactly and i think i came out of the water i think it was around 30 minutes and i was in 20 something position but after that i had a really great bike put in i think like fifth fastest split on the bike and then uh on the run i had second fastest and i managed to come up i finished sixth overall so i was very pleased personally
0: was was it like Um, 30 minutes swim
1: i know right it was two hours nine minutes was my time for that one i was very pleased i had a i think my bike was 50 it was under an hour on the bike and my run was 36 something uh so i was very again very pleased i knew my swim would be rubbish yeah uh, i I was just pleased that my bike form was there and, and that my run was still couldn't so well. you
0: hold some others like fast feet in the front and <laughs> let let them <laughs> exactly. carry?
1: Actually, that's one of my goals for this year. I'm trying to get my swim sorted out over the winter, and I'm going to do that same race in August. But that's just a side point. Yeah, and then then Berlin Marathon. You know, uh, I've been doing all these like crazy VO2 max sessions with Matthias. You know, this sort of eight x one k. It's always his favourite. It's oh, the, the hardest session ever, and like loads of great endurance runs. Uh, I'd even done a 30k training run where I was running nearly race pace for that. Uh, so feeling in great form. And then disaster, worst case situation. I broke my toe one week before Berlin Marathon and couldn't run, which was really disappointed yeah
0: and and it wasn't even like through running or like some no, stupid accident stupid. I was but...
1: just messing around with my boys in the playground uh I was coming down one of the big slides with uh, with one of my eldest on my lap, and um, another child appeared out of nowhere. I tried to stop. I put my foot out, and then oh, I was so painful. Yeah, and it was—I knew it straight away. Like as soon as I got home, looked at my toe, I could see from the bruising and everything else that it was broken. And it was just uh, the season over, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, yeah. what a nightmare. Are you—are you planning to—to to get back for for next year, maybe for the marathon, or?
1: Yeah, I think so. I have to. Options. I'm in the, the lottery for Berlin again, Yeah. and uh, also I'm tempted to do Hamburg, which is earlier in the year, I think it's around April. Okay, but May. is it
0: a fast one? or?
1: Yes, yeah, I think it's fast. I mean, I, what I want to do is really not have so few races next year, that, yeah. that if you miss one or two, suddenly your season's over. That was a mistake I made this year. I would rather just like throw a load in my diary. And it doesn't matter if, if it's not the fastest marathon in the world, it's just... I just love racing and I've missed it this year. Yeah. i did two two actual races and you know the feeling you get when you cross the line and when you've given it everything. And I mean we did races like internal club races, but it's not the same feeling. Yeah, it? I, I had a few a, races this
0: year, right? So I, I was quite lucky with my season till now, except last two things that happened, but uh, yeah. I can imagine how it would be if I wouldn't have any races till now, right? So it's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's always yeah. difficult. So, yeah. And um, let's talk about uh, some, some kind of like sports uh, education or like education in general. Uh, because we were talking about this um, already that uh, you told me some books that you read um, about sports and so on. Um, can you tell the people what your three favorite books are, no matter if the topic is sports or something different?
1: Okay, you mean um, non-fiction books basically? Could,
0: could be also fiction books, just like your three favorite books.
1: I would give you fiction books as some my three favorite ones, because I just love to read. But let me give you some ones I think the listeners should read. Number one book I recommend to everybody is a book called Why We Sleep. Yeah, we talked and about this one. You and I have talked about yeah, this yeah. before. I think everybody in the world should read this book. You read this book, you will understand, well, exactly what the title question is, why we sleep. The guy did his uh, PhD looking at people with sort of degenerative brain diseases and asking if they have bad sleep as a consequence, and then found the reverse was true. Basically, a lifetime of bad sleep has caused these effects. And he details out exactly what sleep does for your body and specifically not getting sleep does to your body. Yeah. Uh, and the case studies he gives with like the basketball teams and things like that so anybody who wants to feel better improve in any aspect of their life needs to read that book Why We Sleep that's my, my my first recommendation <laughs> okay not in any particular age, i just throw a few books at you now if you haven't read Iron War that's a really interesting book that's a sort of back in the origins of uh, the Ironman in Hawaii uh, the classic rivalry between Dave Scott and Mark Allen just as the, the whole sport was like performing and being born these two sort of titans emerged and they raced every year for like seven years it was either who's going to win is it going to be dave scott is it going to be mark allen dave scott is like this sort of classic sort of training mantra i'm just going to go out and i'm going to destroy my body every week and i'm just going to train hard i'm going to repeat the same bike loops i'm going to do like he had this sort of very sort of focused mindset and then Mark Allen was more of a sort of, I don't know, spiritual person. And he took in a lot more like listening to his body and these other kind of totally opposite training mantras. And yet, but they came together and they were inseparable in their sort of abilities. Really great book. So I would definitely recommend reading that one as well. Yeah, I think the other book I would recommend then is Tyler Hamilton's book, The Secret Race. As I said to you before, my first passion was cycling. Yeah. And when i grew up nothing captured my attention more than lance armstrong winning the Tour de france you know five years in a row i was totally swept up in the armstrong like energy the sort of the love of the man i mean it was sort of i was too young to really see what was going on there behind the scenes yeah
0: sure I, I think the normal people all have it known what what's going on when the when the first releases of the of the information came and it was quite obvious as everybody was doing it right some like yeah. eyes opened with some like shocking feelings right
1: exactly and this guy, he was like first lieutenant to Armstrong. He breaks it down, you know, from the moment he sort of like showed potential to how he was recruited into the Armstrong sort of in the circle, into exactly how they were uh, operating, exactly what they were doing, what they were
2: taking, how they were blood doping, how they were yeah,
1: taking yeah. EPO, like everything, and. Uh, it's a really great insight into Armstrong as a person because he's a massive villain. basically. He's just a, a horrible human being, but you just don't see that from, from the media or you didn't at the time. And um, it's a really great expose of cycling from the 90s, you know, and that whole EPO generation. So I would definitely recommend that. It's quite a page 10.
0: Thanks for for your, um, your recommendations. Uh, I think that the listeners uh, will have some nice reads. Uh, how much are you into those new carbon shoes? Do you have some, or do you stick more to the classic soles?
1: Oh, good. Uh, another good question. I've experimented over the last year. I am quite loyal to uh, Saucony, the brand. Uh, I've, since I started running with them, I just clicked with them. I've stayed injury-free ever since using these shoes. So I've pretty much run through most of the shoes in their range, uh, and at the start of last year I got a pair of their fast twitch sort of racing flats so basically no carbon plates nothing um, but super light and I thought okay let's let's see what this does for me and um, they were okay they were comfortable enough and uh, but I didn't really notice a big change from my my previous uh, running shoes the Kinvaras, which are more conventional sort of race slash training shoe yeah Um, but then after That pair wore through and they wore through ridiculously fast because um, I guess as a race shoe or a a lightweight racing shoe, I put a lot of miles on them very quickly. Uh, I moved into the uh, nylon plate shoe, which is... They're sort of like um, cheap version of the carbon plate shoe. And this one I found exceptional. Like, um, I noticed the difference straight away. It is definitely is it, adds a few
0: seconds. Is it the Tempus or which one is it?
1: Uh, it's the Endorphin Speed 2, isn't it?
0: But Endorphin is carbon, right?
1: Uh, there is... A Carbon and a Nylon version Okay,
0: um, this could be because I I know from like adverts that uh, endorphin is a uh, carbon shoe But uh, yeah, it might be that there is like endorphin 2 and endorphin 2 pro maybe I don't know. I'm not that good with uh, Socony but uh, Interesting,
1: um, but I do like them uh, I, uh, When I raced last summer the the 10k and took my PP then that was wearing Plated shoes, yeah. So they have the endorphin pro and the endorphin speed, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think speed is the nylon and the pro is the carbon, yeah. So I think, like I, it. I think
0: it should be like this, right? Because pro always sounds like carbon, right? And then
1: uh, I Bought a pair of the Pro three. Yeah. Still in its box. It was uh, going to be my race shoe for the Berlin Marathon, so now they're still sat at the top of my storage unit just waiting for an opportunity to actually get them out and race. Yeah,
0: them. you, you uh, should wear them before the marathon for sure, right? At yeah. least once in the training run that are a little bit faster that yeah, even they can't handle that sh- many kilometers with the carbon plate. I think to get some feel for the shoe, right? On your feet.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was always the plan. I mean going from uh, Basically, the sort of yeah pro version of the model I was wearing, I was expecting it would be quite a low risk to, to switch over the shoes. Uh, even I know they say never race in new shoes, and might like you say it would have been a couple of short training runs in them first? Yeah, but yeah, I'm a big fan, uh, big fan of the plates. Uh, okay, really, <laughs> they do exactly what the hype, and the marketing mm-hmm. tells.
0: Do you use uh, training peaks uh, for the schedule of your trainings, or
1: uh, only insofar as what? Uh, Matthias does for me so he provides the plans in training peaks and uh, and i follow him there but uh, i'm not really looking into training peak
0: yes but uh, when you you have the sessions there there are these colors right how you finished your training plan if those colors would be on a pie chart what color would be dominant in your
1: (laughs) Uh, depends on the week the last two weeks it would definitely be a red Uh, i've been struggling with uh, this sort of cold virus for the last couple of weeks, but no, I try and keep it green. I mean, after the boys were born, there was a few times where I had to go back to Matthias and say that these these trading volumes, I just can't meet them. Yeah. Dropping from green into, you know, into the orange and, and red. And it's just not helpful you know there's no point putting a 15 20 hour week in there if i can only train eight there was a couple of occasions we sort of revisited that but no i would say it's um apart from exceptional weeks like the last couple then it's it's predominantly greed It's i'm quite it's sort of um, it motivates me you know and i think that's the same for most people in the club having
2: the training plan and following it and, yeah. and seeing the boxes ticked off in green, you know, it's sort of, uh, <laughs> and then you see one goes
1: red and it's like, ah, I just I should have left the office 10 minutes earlier and yeah, yeah. the track and whatever it is, you know, it's just another helpful impetus to get you out the door and, and doing what you know you, what you want to do and need to do, so.
0: Triathlon is um, a sport where you in a group meet with people together and train together, right? But you're also doing... A lot of you work alone, especially if you have a tight schedule. Are you looking out for the team spirit or enjoying the moments alone?
1: Uh, It's definitely a mix, but I miss the team sessions. I don't make it to as many as I would like to. It's one of the reasons I've stuck with the club even after the boys were born I mean at this point uh, the amount of sessions I make it to I could for good reasons or whatever leaves the club but I don't because uh, we have such a great team and such great team spirit and every time I do make it to a run or a bike or a swim it's always great Uh, it always pushes you more It always the social element is like really superb as well and so yeah I guess answer is team spirit all the way
0: yeah I'm not sure if you had this kind of school journeys with the class in your youth where you you traveled somewhere and visited places and so on imagine gorillas and butterflies is your school class and you're all going on a journey there are these six bad dorm rooms to share with who would you share your room
1: <laughs> with five other people you mean yeah so i wouldn't pick five ladies
0: though. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you
1: no i would probably um i think Matt. Mer- Two of the guys I've been with the club since I joined uh, have very close friendships with them there, so I definitely have, have those two in there, I mean also, Matt's um, a family man like me, you soon to be, so it's always, always good. Yeah, who else would I have in there? I was really tight with a guy called Amir, who was, uh, went back to America last year. So it was a shame uh, he left the club. But I'll throw him in as a curveball because he'd come back for a class trip
2: okay. anyway. <laughs>
1: and he was always like the uh, instigator for my like, social drinking for just ignoring the trader plan and just doing everything far too hard and you know just like great guy fun um, <laughs> Sounds uh, just good. everything you know like when matthias is always like just go moderate guys and then you end up just absolutely gassed out it was always a mere. <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: now we have three um,
1: we had three. myself, of course. That's the fourth. Yeah, um, for sure. I'd have you in there as well, Lukash. Oh, thanks I,
0: for all... inviting me in your room. Man. That would yeah. be fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, my last one, I throw Richard in there. He's uh, he's a good laugh, and I think he keep us all uh, keep us all honest as well. Nice.
0: it's a nice group. Um, but now it comes to to this nasty game truth and dare it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about you to turn to turn the bottle it now hits you right and uh, now you have to say what he has to do
1: all right What well, you has to do truth or dare yeah
0: there and now you have to say what you have
1: to do. oh I see so you chose to do a dare. But I now have to, to think of his dare. yeah okay hmm. Well, then I think he has to do, I think he has to do the park room, the Berlin park room, dressed as either a gorilla or a butterfly. <laughs>
0: this is a good one, man. <laughs> Okay, and a second spin, and and now it's about uh, the truth. So now it's Amir's turn to tell some detail that he maybe don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> so what do you want to know from Amir? And uh, maybe you can drop this uh, question personally. <laughs> yeah. I actually know far more about Amir than most, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure how far I could push that question okay let me think is his wife gonna hear this
1: no joking (laughs) okay maybe just a bit lame just uh, uh, how many times did he come training just to avoid uh, an argument with his wife (laughs) I remember he was uh, when he joined he was having some difficult (laughs) okay
0: this is also a nice one super interesting nice questions what was the longest ride you ever made with your bike
1: oh easy Uh, tour of Flanders 250k uh, so this was, uh, you know, the spring classics uh, that they do in road cycling. Tour of Flanders, very famous ride, lots of cobblestone sections, and um, the pros race it. Really full on, aggressive, like the Hardman of uh, road cycling this is sort of one of the uh, the month this was raced on the sunday but on the saturday you can race it as an amateur and uh, i turned up with a friend from work and we did the race or the, the sportif uh, let's say on the saturday stayed overnight and then watched the pros race on the sunday it was a really special weekend uh, oh yeah it was about that's 250k cool with a lot of
0: cobblestones <laughs> this this sounds really amazing and it's also connect something with my next question it would be how open are you to to meet outside of the trainings you just mentioned that uh, you had some a uh, couple of drinks with Amir and also now that you are doing uh, did this kind uh, of weekend together with a friend mixed uh, with cycling and, uh, and, and, and yeah
1: uh, huge I mean really it's uh, I, I see it the two go together really I mean Matt I mentioned as well like our wives are now super tight that's because we've been meeting outside of the club Alex and Mark we used to see out of the club as well Uh, Richard uh, he came around and babysat for us after our boys were born and we were really struggling in the beginning so yeah yeah really um, and Yupp and Sasha did that for us as well actually last year they came and babysat while we were in that initial phase and still clueless about being parents Uh... Uh, Matt is married to like a, a superwoman, like uh, every time we have parenting questions, we go to Matt's wife. So <laughs>
0: amazing! That sounds great, and also that you're getting this kind of like friendships or connections through the sport and the team. I think it's quite important. Let's get to another topic, and it's. Food, what do you like to eat before a race and
1: after a race? Uh, depends a bit on the race. I mean, before a race, I, I'm quite boring. It's always orange or muesli. Like a, a bowl, I don't know, a couple hours before and then maybe like a banana or a gel. Keep things really light in the stomach, you know? Yeah. After a race, it depends. I mean, after the long, like the, the Flanders, sportif or after doing the Ironmans, can't get anything in my stomach it's Mm -hmm. just like you know after 10-12 hours of eating gels and whatever else you get on the course I'm just nothing just can't even eat
0: yeah yeah, you Um, have to also be careful right if you then start to give them some kind of fibers or fats that it's not used to it because you had all the carbs it can end quite bad right (laughs) exactly
1: exactly but if it's a normal race you know like a 10k or an Olympic try or something then my go-to is always pizza And uh, my wife and I were pizza snobs, we loved Neapolitan pizza. (laughs) Uh, We even spent a holiday, like 10 days, going around Italy doing pizza classes. Like we're just like absolutely, 100% pizza lovers. So, pizza all the way. If my body will take it, I'll just throw pizza in. That's my go-to.
0: Have you seen the Netflix documentary that's uh, out now, like about the pizza? Oh
1: no, I haven't. I have to add that to my watch list. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's serious and there are different... Uh, shifts around the world uh, that are into pizza and it's super interesting i think that would be something for you
1: okay yeah i would like to watch that i'll give it
0: a go if you have a like free moment right so uh, as well yeah have you any chance to watch some series or movies and what was the last thing that you have seen
1: (laughs) you know when my life been so full on at the moment tend to watch not serious shows last night uh, my wife and i we watched inside man which is one of these sort of clivo and denzel washington yeah yeah bank robbery the, movie the classic uh, old one. movie yeah uh, we watch really sort of feel good shows like the good doctor or um, really trashy shows <laughs> like i was watching shameless last week that's a dreadfully trashy show uh my wife goes even one step further and she's like really into korean tv uh, oh. she's english by the way but she loves Korean. In TV, because it's really—I mean, apart from the um, what was that sort of um, brutal one recently uh, last year—that's really popular. Most most of the TV is like these really sort of idealized rom-coms, really. Yeah. That, <laughs> So, yeah, we go total escapism, total easy, total turn your brain off, and sort of like, and I want to feel good at the end of it, sort of thing, just because their lives are so busy. Yeah,
0: yeah, I understand that. My girlfriend has a similar thing that she really watches the the most cheesiest and most uh, crappy stuff, also things like The Bachelor or something, where I would never, <laughs> exactly. I, that I never would watch, right? Um, back to triathlon are you following like some professional sports scene or are you more the executor and uh, who likes to move and don't watch others racing
1: i don't really watch Pro triathlon racing i must admit but i i do have a strong passion for for the men's and women's road cycling so i love to watch the grand tours and the spring classics and all these sort of major road racing events yeah i mean they're so fascinating with the sort of the tactics of the uh, the sprinters and the, the the points classifications and the gc riders and the time trialists and you know, there's like um, within the Tour de France, it feels like there's like a hundred different races going on between the sort of the guy who just wants the uh, sure. to get the, uh, the the red number for the next day uh, versus yeah, the guy yeah, who's, yeah. you know, I mean, that's a that's a great sport. It's so, so more complex, right?
0: Your, right? Because in, in triathlon, in the long distance races can get quite boring and the short ones are often fast and quick, right? But there is not that much technique involved in the teams, like in the- I think that's the
1: difference, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. A try is a very individual event. It's a very measured effort, and you just sit in at whatever limit, and then eventually, I don't know, somebody pops or whatever. But with a team dynamic and the tactics and different teams chasing different elements of the race, then uh, road cycling becomes a very entertaining sport. Watch, uh, yeah, this one I watch a lot of. And then the second sport, uh, which probably won't surprise you with my sort of general techy, geeky background. This I'm just a huge Formula One fan, so uh, I'm always watching the Formula One, I'm always following the developments in the cars and yeah, really heavily into this, uh, uh. this sport as well. Not so interesting <laughs> yeah. to your, to your trying <laughs> listeners probably, but maybe we do a podcast oh, I, on Formula One another time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I can invite some uh, people who are interested in this, I know I them also. Great, uh, I think you gave us a lot of insight about your life and your triathlon career and sports in general and also some some knowledge and i think it was super super interesting the only thing that i have in the end is some um, sort of rapid fire question so I have okay. here like um, a list uh, of, of questions right and yeah. um, there are always two answers let's say for example I asked you which animal you prefer cat or dog and you always have to say one of those and you're getting now 20 words or, or selections and you have to quick answer with always one of those and you can't mm-hmm. say both or something right okay okay so then right. <laughs> Let's go for it. First one is suffer or confidence? Suffer. All out or paste. All out. Trunks or speedos? Speedos. Stride or cadence? Stride. Swift or trainer road? Swift. Analyze or don't analyze? Don't analyze. Sauna or black roll? Black roll. Watch sports or do sports?
1: Do sports.
0: Fun or competition?
1: that's a hard one. <laughs> Probably fun. Let's say fun. People should have fun first.
0: Uh, hills or flat?
1: Hills. Every day, hills.
0: Hill sprints or track session? Hill sprints. Walk or DNF? Walk. Long distance or sprint?
1: Long distance.
0: Flip turn or stop and go?
1: Oh, I'm a stop and go, but I wish I was a flip turner. <laughs> My heart is with a flip turn. Okay. Say that.
0: Breath on the left side or breath on the right side?
1: Uh, marginally right.
0: Uh, lactate or heart rate? Heart rate. One um, k splits or quite race?
1: One k splits.
0: Uh, high cadence or low cadence?
1: Low cadence.
0: <laughs> Aero or power? Power. Gym or no gym? No gym. <laughs> okay, that was it. It took a little uh, bit <laughs> longer than we thought.
1: Yeah, know, it's nice. It's sort of uh, it's quite reminiscent to sort of reflect back on on the past, you know, and talk about these things. Uh, I mean, we're all quite egotistical, right? It's always nice to speak about yourself, so it you just never gets boring for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. S- thanks a lot, as I told you before. And yeah, uh, I think there will be many other stories to tell. Yeah, it
1: would be good.
0: Yeah, man, thanks a lot. Um, I will leave you now with uh, Laura. And, um... Yeah,
2: see you, man. Cheers.
0: Cheers.